Born Lord, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't give a about your faults or mishaps. Welcome to DFS MVP, Daily Fantasy Sports Most Valuable Podcast, presented by 4 for 4 Football. I'm 4 for 4 Senior DFS Editor Chris Raybon, joined as always by my partner in crime, Mr. TJ Hernandez. We're back for another positional strategy pod. What's going on, TJ? Yeah, just ready to uh, keep this series rolling. I mean, one of my favorite things to do before the season starts is to uh, get people's mind right for the season. It's not just uh start setting lineups there's, there's a lot of uh, knowledge and research that goes into this so hopefully we can uh, drop some knowledge on everybody that's listening to this pod absolutely well said before we get into the running back strategy quickly talk about the song that played us in that was lean back Fat Joe featuring Remy Ma from Terror Squad's 2004 album, True Story. I picked this song. It's one of my favorites. I'm from the Bronx. Fat Joe and Remy Ma from the Bronx. This was one of the anthems for me. I believe it was late in in high school. Yeah, don't want to date myself too much. But yeah, great song. A song that I'll set lineups too often. So hope you guys enjoyed that little snippet. Lean back, Fat Joe, Remy Ma, Terror Squad. 2004 true story guys if you're listening and you haven't subscribed to 4 for 4 dfs subscription yet 20 percent off if you use the code dfs mvp that's how much we appreciate you guys for listening if you want to dive a bit deeper definitely check out the 4 for 4 subscription a lot of great things going on new value formulas uh different uh ownership projection tallies for for teams and passing games so you can find high leverage situation we have gpp leverage scores positional breakdowns got some new writers justin bailey ryan hodge a lot of great things coming to the 4 for 4 dfs subscription this season some updates to the lineup generator coming as well so definitely check it out dfs mvp for 20 percent off you can find a sign up link in my pin tweet at chris raybon let's get right into this running back strategy now and for running backs i think we want to start with just how are we going about determining which running backs we want to use in a given week and last podcast we talked about quarterbacks and we talked about how efficiency was so important because there was this surplus of usable quarterbacks that are going to drop back 25 times 30 times in a given week now for running backs that's not the case at all tj talk about the one stat that you're looking for first and foremost when you are narrowing down your player pool at the running back position yeah, as far as um, individual stats, I'm looking for, for touches. Uh, volume is king with running backs. Uh, we're going to get into this a lot throughout this pod. Uh, and one of the reasons I like the running back position the most uh, is because it varies so much in how you look at those touches when you're comparing FanDuel and DraftKings. Um, but volume is king. Uh, uh, different than quarterbacks, like we mentioned, where we're looking at efficiency. You need that volume. Uh, there are a lot of factors that go into that volume, and we're going to get really deep into that. Uh, but the uh, the Vegas line that I'm looking at the, the most, or the Vegas number, is the spread. I want I want favorites uh, more than anything. Uh, over under point uh, point totals. Those are going to be very important on the the quarterback pod. We talked a lot more about implied point totals. Uh, 
here we'll talk about those, but uh, first and foremost, I'm looking at that spread number. So on the individual level, looking for volume numbers. Uh, from the Vegas lines, I'm looking for a really big favorite. Absolutely, and that's just because for running backs, let's say you have a running back that's not very good. He's averaging 3.5 yards per carry, and then you have another one that is pretty good, averaging 4.5 yards per carry. That difference, it's major in real-world football, but in fake football, that's only .1 fantasy points. So you take the guy getting 20 carries at 3.5 over the guy getting 10 carries at 4.5 every day because you're getting more points. You're getting more fantasy points. So, And that's not to say go after the inefficient backs by any means. It's just to kind of show you how important volume is that that's the first thing you want to consider. I know TJ's talked about it in the past, but just something as simple as projected touches divided by salary is a is an interesting place to, to start your research or, or just kind of ordering running backs in, in order of projected touches. And then the next thing you want to look at is, as TJ mentioned, that, that spread. And that's because game script is very important to a running back. NFL teams, when they are leading or the game is close, they'll run the ball almost half the time, if not more, depending on the team. But when a team is trailing, the average team throws the ball two-thirds of the time. They're only running it one-third of the time, and that also carries over even when you're in close inside the 10, inside the 20. When you're behind in a game, you're throwing the ball more. So running backs are getting less opportunities when their team is not in positive game script, which means when they don't have a positive point differential on the scoreboard as they're running their offensive plays. So only only the top backs, your Le'Veons and your DJs and maybe a few other guys are going to be able to withstand that. But even those backs are going to tend to do better more often than not when they have a positive uh, game script. Yeah, and I ran some numbers before uh, the podcast and just looked at uh, different buckets of uh, Vegas lines over the last 10 years. And if we, I'm sorry, over the last five years, and if we look at teams that were favored by 10 or more, uh, those teams averaged 31 rushes per game. If we looked at uh, the opposite end of the spectrum, teams uh, that were 10 point or more underdogs, those teams rushed just 24 times. Now that's only uh, seven rushes on the team level, but you got to remember that's looking at every single game in uh, in the league. So depending on the team's philosophy and that player's uh, workload in the backfield, those can end up being really huge differences. Obviously, uh, the smaller the spread, the diff- the uh, smaller that difference is going to be. But I mean, if we're talking about some uh, two running backs that are getting two thirds of the touches, we're looking at a difference between uh, tw- a twenty touch game and and maybe thirteen or fourteen touch game. That's a really really big difference, especially in DFS where you have access to the entire player pool. So um, that's just just one quick stat to note um, and to highlight the difference in those expected game scripts that you talked about and leveraging those Vegas lines. Yeah, definitely. So it's another situation where when you're trying to minimize your busts, you're playing in cash games, unless you're using a stud like a Le'Veon or a DJ or a player that's just priced so low, maybe because his the starter got hurt, you really want to limit yourself to positive game script favorites um, at home if possible, because that's just going to give you a little added safety because of the natural home field advantage in the NFL. Um, and, and now we get into something else, sample size. We talked about it with quarterbacks. With running backs, 
the sample size generally peaks around 13 games so there's not it's not like quarterback where it peaks around seven games and you throw it out but the thing about running backs and sample size is that even a small sample size for a running back is more predictive of future fantasy points than larger sample sizes for the other positions you can have about a three game sample size of touches for example for a running back and those are going to predict uh, future touches uh, as good uh, pretty much as good as you can get and then running backs fantasy points in his last game can be more predictive than an entire season's worth of game of a sample size of games for for other positions so because that passing game there's just so much more variance in terms of what can happen on a forward pass running backs they're taking these handoffs or they're taking these they're getting these catches out of the backfield the range the range of outcomes is also smaller but also because of what we mentioned the game script and just how these things tend to play out running backs are just so much more predictable than players in the passing game so if you have a a running back getting a lot of touches they're usually going to make for a great play and that's why we see guys like Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson as great plays pretty much every week regardless of their salary and regardless of their matchup they're just getting so many more touches in a given week and it's so consistent than other running backs that it's hard for them to not be at least a decent value in a given week. So that's something to keep in mind. You can really kind of trust those running back stats when you're looking back. It's not a good idea to get too hung up on game logs, but for running backs, if you see a, a guy who's had a couple of high touch games and, you know, as long as you want to always make the adjustments for game script. So if, if you see a running back with a couple of games with high touches, but they've been in when he's a favorite in good game script and now he's going on the road as an underdog or something, you do want to adjust for that. But at the same time, you, you want to be paying attention to those touches first and you don't need that large of a sample size to do that. So TJ, a lot of people, and you kind of already alluded to this, but a lot of people when they're setting their fantasy lineups, and this is even true for redraft leagues, but it's true for DFS as well. A lot of people are looking at matchup, but they're judging matchup a lot of the time in terms of just fantasy points allowed. And what what's really going on is that you you actually want to be looking more at just the matchup in terms of what the game script's going to be. So can you just talk a little more, a bit more about that? Yeah. So um, basically, the reason we want these these running backs um, that are favorites in good game script um, on both sides, but especially on Fanduel where it's not full PPR scoring and you, and you don't get um, a scoring bonus, is because you don't want a running back in in any format, but especially in cash games where you're really worried about your floor. Um, that's going to be deemed unusable if uh, the game doesn't go as planned. So if if you have a uh, a running back in even if he's in a quote unquote good matchup against a bad rush defense, um, if that bad rush defense is on a very um, explosive uh, team that's going to score a lot of points, that ends up being up by uh, double digit points in the fourth quarter. For most of that fourth quarter, your running back is going to be pretty much useless because uh, the team that's playing catch up is going to uh, they're going to be throwing the ball, and if you don't have a running back that plays all three downs or doesn't play passing downs, he's going to be on the sideline either in favor of a pass catching running back or just because that team's not going to have a running back on the field at all and what we're looking for in cash games we're looking to raise our floor and we're looking to narrow our range of outcomes 
Obviously, we want a little bit of added upside. You want a running back that has a chance to score touchdowns, especially on FanDuel where you're looking for uh, red zone and especially goal line opportunities. But again, if you're losing even half of a quarter of drives, that's just uh, that many fewer opportunities for your running back to be scoring. So that's what we mean when we're talking about positive game script and looking at the lines. We're looking for running backs that are going to be in use for the entire four quarters of their, of the game. Definitely. And j- just going back to the matchup thing, it's that's more important sometimes than a tough matchup because, as we said, volume is so important that a running back getting decent volume can overcome a tough matchup. And when you're rostering running backs who are playing for the favorites by the betting odds, what you're you're also giving yourself those chances for positive game script in terms of underdogs tend to make more mistakes they tend to turn the ball over more so you might you're more likely to expose yourself to those situations where a team may throw an interception inside their own 20 yard line or they may fumble it inside their own 10 and then you have kind of a layup touchdown opportunity for your running back where he might get a couple of cracks at that at that goal line because the team kind of feels like they have it in the bag. They're not maybe playing as aggressively and they can just kind of they'll run it a couple of times. So you get those short fields, things like that. Those all happen more uh, when the running back is on the team that's favored. So it's not it's not even only just the, the positive game script in terms of him being on the field. It's also just those lucky bounces that you want to put yourself in position to benefit from. Those are going to happen more when your running back's on the team that's favored. So, for example, a guy like Terrence West, maybe, where he's a two-down back. You expect Danny Woodhead to play all of the passing down snaps. In week one, Baltimore's on the road at Cincinnati. They're a two-and-a-half-point underdog as of this podcast. So that's a situation where you know Terrence West isn't too expensive, but still... Not the greatest play, especially in cash games. You know, in tournaments, you know, of course, could get a couple touchdowns, could get the goal line work. We don't really know. But especially in cash games, you really want to kind of avoid that. Um, And in cash games in general, I think it really comes down to to you, you just really want to to max to minimize those busts. You want to play those running backs in those good situations. I did some research on cash game consistency and found that home favorite running backs have a significantly higher consistency rate than even road favorites do or home underdogs or road underdogs. So again, that that home field advantage really provides that extra boost and it's something that for whatever reason, you know, this is using multi-year data, four years of data, for whatever reason, either the sites don't want to or they just, you know, they're just not able to really correctly price these running backs and you consistently see these home favorite running backs are the ones that uh, can more, most consistently hit value. So TJ, let's talk a little bit about pricing in cash games. Um, is there any salary tiers you're specifically looking at or is it kind of dictated by the running backs in play in a given week? Um, it's, it's a little bit of both. Uh, in general, uh, I am going to favor higher priced running backs because the position is uh, the most predictable of any of the positions in DFS. 
but also because those are going to be the guys that are the workhorses, the guys who are going to have the most narrow range of outcomes. They're not just goal, line, goal linebacks. They're not just third down backs. Um, you mentioned the Le'Veons, uh, the DJs of the world. There's only a couple of those, but even even the guys priced slightly below them, uh, usually those are the players that are still going to be getting uh, a fair amount of passing work in addition to their expected rushing total. Uh, guys like Shady, Melvin Gordon, uh, those just those guys make cash games. Um, you can't have a low floor running back with a wide range of outcomes in cash games. The major exception to that and one spot that I almost never pass up is that free square running back where you have someone that's thrust into a uh, starting role unexpectedly and he's underpriced because pricing came out before um, before the starter's injury. Usually this is because a starter is uh, declared out in the middle of the week or because on on FanDuel and DraftKings both now, uh, sometimes pricing comes out either before Sunday night football or before Monday night football, and if it's one of those players, then you're going to have uh, a running back priced near minimum salary. That's a spot where you're getting guaranteed volume near minimum price, and unless it is... Um, the worst case scenario, that guy is almost always going to make it into my cash. Even if they're a slight underdog, um, even if, if they aren't expected to, uh, to be on the winning side of the ball and put up a lot of points, that t- projected like 20 touch total from someone that's near min salary. You just, there's no other way in DFS to open up the rest of your lineup and give your lineup an overall higher floor than playing that guy, especially on DraftKings when you could put that guy in, into your flex. Um, that's a, the one situation where, uh, it's, it's almost never a fade for me. Absolutely. And just to, make that information a little more actionable for you guys. I did some research and I defined an inexpensive running back as any running back that was less than $1,000 above minimum price. So for FanDuel, that's any running back that's under 5500 And for DraftKings, that's any running back under four k. And what I found was that the running backs who hit cash value on average uh, were projected for 15 touches on DraftKings and 14 touches on FanDuel by four for four. So if you're looking kind of for that cutoff point around that 14, 15 touches, if you're, ha- if you have one of those cheap running backs, if you can confidently project them for 14, 15 touches, that's really all they're going to need. They're not even necessarily going to need 20 because 20 is really that elite number that you're looking for for some of the higher end running back so if you can just get those locked in 15 touches that 15 touch floor that's when you really want to start paying attention to just filling in that free square at running back in your cash games and that always that that's also great because that almost guarantees that you can also now fit in a Le'Veon Bell or a David Johnson or somebody like that and again it all comes back to just what's on the the board in a given week there might not always be these Le'Veons and David Johnsons or there might not be these cheap plays at running back either these free squares and in that situation you have to adjust and and that's where playing these home favorite running backs come in so you know all these tier two running backs that you would draft after Le'Veon and DJ are gone in your fantasy drafts the Gurleys and the Ajayis and the Jordan Howards and the Devonta Freemans and the uh, all those guys Shady McCoy Murray those are the players that you want to be maximizing their your use 
fullness of them by using them in these home favorite situations and that's how you kind of know when to use which guy it's always going to change from week to week depending on the matchup but I would put a little less stock into straight up fantasy points allowed and you even even schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed I think it's a better metric but even that you know I'm paying attention to straight up you know game script spread first and then you know if it's a really prohibitive matchup maybe but most cases it's not going to matter like I remember David Johnson again the Seahawks last year he a lot of people faded him but he ended up scoring I believe it was three touchdowns against in a tough matchup against the Seahawks and that's just because you know even the toughest matchups teams will probably get a a chance or two to to score inside in in close and unless it's a, a dismal team and most top running backs aren't on teams that are that bad anyway so um, it's really a situation where you, you want to target these home favorites to just minimize your bust rates in in cash games. And TJ, you alluded to this a little more, so I guess I want to talk about it before we move on to tournament strategy. In the flex on DraftKings, I know a lot has been made, and you've done a great article about how to win the flex on redraft as well. So on DraftKings in cash games, are you is it still a situation where most weeks you're trying to play a running back in the flex because even though there might be more wide receivers that have a higher scoring expectations just because of the predictability of running backs you're trying to get that third one in yeah i mean there because DraftKings is full ppr scoring um i think sometimes people think about this a little differently they think that uh they can put a a wide receiver in the flex and uh, kind of get close to running back points but you can look at that a different way. You can sometimes get three relatively expensive running backs uh, on DraftKings with the flex position and think about what you would do with your wide receiver in the flex if you think he's going to get you decent running back points because of the full PPR scoring. Well, you can get three of those medium to to lower price guys in your lineup and your the floor of your lineup if you have three workhorse running backs whether it be a, a mid-tier guy or there's just kind of that free square we talked about is so much higher than with four wide receivers because you can virtually lock in 60 touches on your team you can't do that with a fourth wide receiver so all things considered, all things being equal, uh, yes, I'm generally trying to get a running back in the flex. Um, with anything in DFS, there's no, um, there's no black and white. It's not always a set strategy. There's obviously times where it just doesn't work. Uh, but for the most part, that's where I'm starting at. Right, definitely. I'm same here. Most weeks, you know, it's all about trying to get those three running backs and locking those touches. And then in tournaments, you can kind of go whichever way you want. Like I said, it's going to just kind of come down to what's going on in a given week. On FanDuel, without the flex, things are a little bit different. One of the things you really have to pay attention to on FanDuel and most of the, the backs that we'd ideally roster this is going to be true for them at anyway but you really want to make sure that these running backs are getting the goal line work for for their team because FanDuel is only half point PPR scoring and they don't give yardage bonuses that increases the importance of the touchdown that's six points it's an event-based scenario and we can't predict touchdowns very well they're very volatile hard to predict but we can predict situations in which touchdowns are most likely to occur and roster those players that are going to most likely be in those situations so 
almost 90% of rushing touchdowns occur in the red zone. About two-thirds occur from the five-yard line and in. So if your running back for some reason, and I'm looking at you, Amir Abdullah, is not getting goal line work, he's not a good cash play, even if he might be a good projected value play whatever value metric you're using if he's a good projected value play that doesn't mean he's a good cash game play necessarily i know we know amir abdullah could score touchdowns from anywhere but those are really hard to predict as well and if if, if you running back's not getting goal line carries it's just really kind of lowering your floor and at the same time also lowering your upside to a certain extent because even if you're scoring from far out you know you would probably get even more opportunities if you were also scoring in close because some backs are going to be able to do both. So that's something to keep in mind. There are not too many running backs like that. I think Amir Abdullah is one that comes to mind. Potentially Dalvin Cook. We don't know. I, I think I, they had originally kind of thought Latavius Murray, the Vikings that is, um, would be a fit for that goal on role. We, we've seen them use Asiata in that role in the past. So kind of I want to see Dalvin Cook get some of those goal line carries before I really commit to him, even in good situations, even if he's getting, you know, 15, 18 touches a game. Um, but and that that's really what you want to pay attention to on, on FanDuel is just those 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 goal line carries. Let's let's move on to the tournament side of things and talk about how we how we go about choosing running backs in these tournaments. But before we do, I just want to say, fantasy football fans, listen up. If you love fantasy football, then you need to try these new best ball leagues on my new favorite app. It's called Draft. It's a season long league. Just like you play with your friends, but no management. You just set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. Draft takes care of the hard work. You don't even have to set your lineup. Your best score gets automatically selected every week. You can draft a team anytime you want. Leagues start every couple of minutes, so you can join one right now. And the best part, there are no salary caps, and you can play for cold, hard cash. Leagues start from just $3, so there's a league for everyone. It's so easy to start playing draft today. Just go to playdraft.com slash 4 for 4. That's playdraft.com, the number 4, the letters F-O-R, and the number 4. And you can join a game in minutes. All new players get a free entry into a best ball draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use my promo code 4 for 4. That's right. Play a real money game for free just for using my promo code, the number 4, the letters F-O-R, and the number 4, draft. Check it out. Really fun stuff. Let's get into this tournament running back selection. And there's a lot of different ways you can approach running backs in tournaments. TJ... How does your approach at running back in tournaments differ, if at all, from your cash game approach? Uh, yeah, so the the biggest difference is probably going to be um, on DraftKings. On, on FanDuel, I still want that running back that's going to have a lot of touchdown upside that is going to be uh, probably more dependent on, on game script. On DraftKings and tournaments, you can fade that game script scenario a little bit. You don't want to go crazy. You don't want to go with like a 10-point underdog, but maybe a running back that is like in a pick'em game or even sometimes a one-point underdog. And the reason for that is uh, because the PPR scoring and the bonus can make up for your um, your points, even in large field GPPs, uh, 
that you need for touchdowns on FanDuel. And if we look at historical data, um, looking at my big game profiles that I, that I did last year that, that covered uh, running backs that finished in the top six of their position, 84% of those players on FanDuel scored two touchdowns or more. Um, just 63% of those players scored two touchdowns or more on DraftKings. 44% of those players on FanDuel had four or more receptions. 61% of those players had four or more receptions on DraftKings. If you have a player that only catches three passes and goes over 100 yards rushing, that's a touchdown. That's six points. So you don't need him necessarily to be um, near the goal line or rushing the ball late in the game um, in a GPP. And that just comes down to making up those points, but also getting a guy that has similar upside because of his bonus potential and because of his PPR scoring um, at probably a, a much lower ownership because what we talked about in our cash game approach, looking for those favorites, looking for positive game script, uh, that's super important for for both types of games, but I think people are really ignoring running backs that aren't in that situation on DraftKings, and you can make up that scoring. Um, so that's the biggest difference that I'm looking for. Kind of like we, we've talked about with, with running backs and my approach at every other position, uh, just kind of going to that second tier of favorites. Sometimes your cash games, you only want those running backs maybe that are favored by more than a field goal. Uh, maybe in GPPs, you can drop down to those t- second tier of spreads looking for running backs. Maybe they're only favored by two or three points uh, because they're generally going to be lower owned than the running backs with the biggest spread. So that's that's kind of my starting approach. Um, I think you have some more to say about um, about ownership and, and uh, being contrarian and how you want to approach your pricing. But uh, that's kind of how I start thinking about my GPP running backs. Definitely. And before I get into that, I'm looking at your big game profiles right now for the running back position. Again, that article is titled DFS Big Game Profiles Running Back. Check it out. Really cool article up on 444.com right now. There's one for every position, but I'm looking at this article. And so big games for FanDuel running backs on the favorite 62% of the time, um, DraftKings favorite 63% of the time. So we are seeing that, yeah, there's about, you know, two thirds to 40%, I mean, one, a 33 to 40% or, or so, you know, about a little over a third of running backs who have these big games are not favorites. And what's actually interesting to me is that the home team actually accounts for a larger percentage. It's a uh, 66% on FanDuel and 65% on DraftKings. So, that's a situation where maybe there's some value in targeting some players at home. Again, we know there's some home field advantage and sometimes Vegas, listen, we use Vegas odds as a, you know, as a guide because they have the most incentive to get these lines at least somewhere in the neighborhood of correct. You know, sometimes, yes, they do inflate a line a little bit one way or the other to, 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 to offset public betting trends. But in general, Vegas has a pretty large incentive to make these lines accurate and they have been accurate we have data to back that up um but again you don't want to get locked into one frame of mind and only ever choose favorites that's that's kind of what we want to do more in cash games because you only need one good cash game lineup like let's be real so you should be kind of eliminating all the players from your player pool that you even have any question about that they could not do well or they have a low floor or some downside or something like that in tournaments it's a little different you know there's there's still going to be 
about one third of the players that don't fit these quote unquote profiles. Um, so I think that's interesting, you know, to, to just be sure to not always just kind of zero in on 100% of favorites. And what I'm really looking for is TJ the touches the volume because if you look at your big game profiles uh, you know favorite again favorites in the low 60s home team in the mid 60s 20 plus touches 79% on FanDuel 80% on DraftKings so what I'm really looking for is hey maybe you're running back in a tournament not in a completely ideal situation people are sleeping on him favorite underdog whatever People are sleeping on him, but he has that upside to get those 20 touches. That's going to give you your ultimate upside in a tournament period. I mean, the more touches a running back can can get, the more upside he's going to have. It's not just about floor. That's also upside there. You know, a running back getting 25 touches is going to have more upside, generally speaking, than one getting 20 touches. And that running back is going to have more than one getting 15. So that's something to really keep in mind. Um, look out for those touches. In terms of ownership, um, switching gears a little bit. I did some research on the winning lineups in these FanDuel Sunday Million and DraftKings Millionaire Maker tournaments. And again, these, these are large field tournaments. So some of the, the findings, they're going to be a little more muted if you're applying them to some of the smaller tournaments or some of the single entry. You're not going to necessarily need to go with some plays that are as low owned or things like that. But I think uh, it's good to kind of start as a starting point, look at the largest field tournaments and then kind of go back in because if you try to do it from inside out, it's a little more, it's a lot more difficult to project out, you know, that much um, to a large scale, large field tournament. So what I found was that ownership for running backs is higher than pretty much any other position. But what's really going on is that there's usually one running back, the highest owned running back in a winning lineup on uh, on FanDuel Sunday Million was 25.9% on average. And in the Million Maker on DK, it was 28.2%. So people are not fading these and this is a two years of data. This is thirty-two millimakers, I believe, and thirty-four Sunday millions. So this is a lot of data saying like if you're in a large field tournament, yes, you need to be contrarian at certain points to get that differential, but you don't need to do it at every position and every slot. And people aren't bypassing great running back value. They're at an average of mid to high 20. So that means some running backs are way even over that. But the second running back slot on the FanDuel Sunday million, only 8.2%. On DraftKings, only 13.2%. So less than like about a third of the ownership of the highest owned on FanDuel and a half, uh, less than half on DraftKings. So that's saying that you're kind of trying to go with a little high low strategy here you may take the value at one spot go a little bit off the board at the other but even then you know still not going uh too crazy you know in, in that in that scenario um tj is there anything kind of maybe besides the just the, the spreads that you're, you're looking for maybe t- when, when you're targeting a running back in a tournament and you're, you're trying to find that second running back to, to pair with your Le'Veon or your DJ or your or your yeah, cheap I mean, guy. Even. First of all, there there are a couple things that I want to um, build upon. There, having a very highly owned running back kind of points back to the fact that uh, one, if we have a situation where there is a free square, even in a GPP, that isn't um, a situation that you necessarily want to be fading. And I think that probably has a lot to do with the higher owned running back to the same point. We have noted earlier that running back is the most predictable position. So those guys that are in very good situations, even if they are um, 
priced up very high, then uh, they're, they're still going. They still garner a fair amount of ownership because uh, we can predict that spot. If I'm looking for my running back too, um, just kind of what I already mentioned, I really like looking for those running backs that are in spots that people aren't going to generally be targeting, either small. Um, small favorites or even just slight underdogs because if the spread is only one or two points, uh, that game could really go either way. And if you have a, a home underdog that is expect, still expected to see the majority of his team touches, if he's at home and only like a one point underdog, that's a really interesting spot for me to, uh, to get a, a low owned running back that could still really find himself in a, in a very positive situation, a situation as good as some of the highest owned or highest priced guys. So that, that's something that I really like to look at. And then if I'm on DraftKings, again, regardless of situation, um, running backs that are going to be really involved in the passing game. So, High targets, regardless of situation, is a uh, is a spot that I really want to roster some some guys in GPPs specifically on DraftKings. Definitely, because even though th- that's the one situation where I think you have to look a little past touches is when you have a Woodhead or a Riddick, because those guys aren't necessarily going to project for a high amount of touches in a given week, but because their their reception projection will usually be high, uh, they're projected for, say, four receptions or, or something like that, three, four receptions, that could easily turn into five, six, seven receptions. And when you're catching seven passes, there's always a chance that, yeah, the average running back maybe gets seven yards or so per reception, but you, you have one or two big plays, and now you're looking at, you know, seven receptions, you can be up to 80, 90 yards sometimes. So, and that's before you account for any touchdowns or any any rushing totals or anything like that. So I think those are the couple of guys, you know, the Woodheads, the Riddicks, those, those high-volume PPR guys, and there's only a few of them, but those guys are always great tournament plays because I think a lot of people just don't really know when to play those guys and because it, it's not it's not the same as just targeting favorites or game script although sometimes those guys those backs do actually do better as favorites and again that's just because teams that are favored generally are in better situations they're moving the ball they're giving their players more chances to score and the opponent is giving that team more chances to score so um it still can be helpful but it's not as clear cut with those receiving backs but it's something you definitely want to to look at in in terms of salary I, I thought it was interesting that the winning lineups there's a big difference between the running back the top running back and the next most expensive running back in the winning lineups on each site so in the million maker the most expensive running back averages a salary of 6850 over the last two years but the the RB2 is down at 5044 so it's an $1800 difference and then in FanDuel Sunday Million it's similar the top running back averages 7938 but the second the RB2 averages just 6315 so that's about a $1600 difference so that that tells me that you probably more often than not I mean there's going to be some weeks when there's a lot of wide receiver value again you always want to play the week you never want to just come in with a set salary strategy or anything positional strategy in terms of exactly what salaries you're going to look for and things like that but uh, usually more often than not are going to want to have some options at least if you're entering multiple 
cool lineups. You want to get some exposure to running backs that are cheaper, you know, that, that, that can give you that top end production, but they're a little cheaper. And those are going to be the running backs, you know, again, maybe they'll be on an underdog. Maybe they'll, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll not have quite as high of a volume projection, but still decent, you know, still be the workhorse, the number one option for their team, still projected for 15 or more touches. So that those are running backs you definitely want to look at in, in tournament play. Um, I, I did forget to mention one thing, um, and this is especially true for FanDuel, where we really are, are focusing in on that touchdown upside. There are uh, a couple things that, well, there's one main thing that people do wrong, and then there's one really good way to exploit this. Uh, one thing people get wrong a lot is they look at red zone opportunity or red zone touches. For running backs, we really want to be focusing on the opportunity and touches inside the 10. Um, sometimes it could be hard to get reliable touch numbers inside the 10 because 10 because the volume on that is generally going to be pretty low. Uh, what we can look at is is rate numbers. Uh, so how often a team runs uh, or passes inside the red zone or inside the 10, and then extrapolate that to a team that maybe has a higher projected point total than than usual. So if a team has only been scoring say 20 points a game, but all of a sudden they're projected to score 24, 25 points. And that team runs, I don't know, 55% of the time, um, inside the red zone, which is a pretty high number for, compared to the league average. Then all of a sudden we have a running back who is on a team that is perceived as pretty bad. Um, but because they don't get a lot of scoring opportunities, the public doesn't realize how often they run when they get those scoring opportunities. And we've seen this, um, a couple times. One of the most obvious examples has been Carlos Hyde. He's been a tournament winner a couple times in the past few years, but the Niners have just been a really bad team. But they, they ran so much that when did, they did have those few opportunities to score more than usual. That's a two touchdown day for Hyde. So I like looking at those, um, kind of mediocre offenses that all of a sudden have uh, not only an uptick in expected scoring, but also tend to run more inside the 10 and inside the 20. Yeah, definitely. There's, for example, the Packers are on the other end of the spectrum where they just throw more. Even inside the five, they throw more than any team in the league. So that's a situation where, hey, even when you're you're targeting Ty Montgomery sometimes, you have to you know exercise some caution because you know there, his, his touchdown expectation, despite being on the Packers, is not always going to be as high rushing. Now, he does get a lot of opportunities um, catching the ball, which kind of offsets that even in, inside the red zone. But definitely something to think about. Uh, and, and then finally, I guess the last topic we'll touch on is stacking because I think a lot of people avoid stacking running back or inclu- in- avoid using other players in their lineup when they have a running back rostered, except the defense. You know, people, the, the running back defense stack, which is a good stack because you're po- capitalizing from that positive game script. Both defenses and running backs do well as favorites and they do well at home. So that's a correlated play there. But TJ, talk a little bit about just the the advantages of actually including a running back in uh, your passing stack. Yeah, I think it's it's something that um, I'm not necessarily seeking out, um, but it is when it comes up, like you mentioned, it's just something that I'm not going to avoid because they're... The first thing is it's going to give you a a very unique lineup just because, like you mentioned, people generally aren't doing it. And instead of just looking at individual player ownership, we want to look at uh, unique lineup creation. And that's that's one way to create lineups because people think that there um, is a negative correlation between a running back and a passing game. But 
what you can do if you're thinking about a team like uh, the Falcons from last year, maybe the Saints that score a ton of points, you can theoretically get all the touchdowns from a team that might score five or six touchdowns on a day. And if you can do that, you're putting yourself uh, way ahead of the field. So uh, something like a Matt Ryan and Devontae Freeman is one that we've seen that has been very popular and in certain circumstances maybe even going with the quarterback, wide receiver, and running back for the same reason. I mean, if if they're going to score five touchdowns and you can you can gobble up all those touchdowns um, with two of them going to your receiver, two of them going to your running back, it's a rare situation. But like I said, it's just one that I'm not going to avoid. And to the same point, the running back defense, not one I'm necessarily seeking out, but if it does work out, um, I will I'll, I'll put it together more than I wouldn't, if that makes sense. So if, if I like... Um, LaShawn McCoy, I'm not necessarily going to force the Bills defense, but if I like both of them, I'll put them together uh, more often than not. So the way I'm thinking about running back stacking is not necessarily just forcing it like I am with maybe a quarterback receiver, but when the opportunity comes up, definitely not shying away from it. Definitely. I think that's the best way to look at it because the running back correlations I found were not as high as the quarterback receiver correlation. So it doesn't make sense to just seek out these running back stacks at the expense of building your lineup around pass catcher stacks and and tournaments. But at the same time, as TJ mentioned, you can get those, you can get all the touchdowns for a team if you have their quarterback and running back potentially. And another advantage to it is if the public is very high in an offense, but they have the ownership concentrated in a certain direction. You can really take advantage of that. So, and this, that's something we're doing at four for four this year where our ownership projections are now also listing the the collective ownership of each team's offense and the collective ownership, uh, projected ownership of each team's passing game. Because a lot of times you might see a situation where, uh, let's say you have a lot of Derek Carr, Amari Cooper stacks. That's going to be the chalk stack for the week. And a lot of people are going to be on that stack. Well, maybe Seth Roberts, I mean, more than maybe if it's Seth Roberts we're talking about, is going to score those touchdowns instead of Amari Cooper. So, but if you don't want to risk playing Seth Roberts, what you can also do is you can just fade Cooper, play Carr, and play his running back. And you might still get you know, all the t- team's touchdowns, like let's say the team scores 35 points, five touchdowns, but let's say Carr doesn't throw any to Cooper, but, but he throws one to Seth Roberts, but you don't even want to take that chance and not many other people will either. So it's not like ha- not having Seth Roberts is going to hurt you. But if you have Marshawn Lynch, he scores two and Carr throws three, you know, you're still in business and you have a much better chance of leveraging that car performance so that's a situation where I would seek it out a little bit maybe as a contrarian play because as I mentioned on the last pod these expensive quarterback wide receiver stacks don't tend to pay off at least they haven't yet when you look at winning large field lineups it's just not the best use of the correlation you 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 ideally want to use correlation to get expensive production um, to use an expensive player to get another player expensive production that's not as expensive if you're just using two expensive players it's kind of defeating some of the purpose so in situations like that especially if the running back's a lot cheaper um, than than the wide receiver who's going to be in the chalk stack I'll definitely maybe seek out that running back in a stack. But aside from that, yeah, de- generally you just want to, to, to just not be, sh- not shy away from it because it'll give you some unique lineup, 
uh, unique lineup of construction. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, one thing we, we haven't touched on is just leveraging what the public's going to do and um, targeting a, a running game instead of a passing game, especially when it comes to something as volatile as touchdowns. Um, that's that's one of the biggest, quote-unquote, leverage plays in DFS and, and a really good way to stay on, on the chalk team um, without without owning the chalk. So that I really like that call a lot. It's something I forgot to mention. Cool, man. Well, that about wraps it up for our running back podcast strategy. Stay tuned. We will have the wide receiver podcast out in another day or two. Just go all in-depth that picking wide receivers that there's a lot to talk about there so you don't want to miss that please subscribe to dfs mvp if you haven't already and if you are so kind please give us a rating and review that really helps us a lot on itunes and again 20 percent off at 444 dfs subscription if you use the code dfs mvp you can find a link to sign up in my pinned tweet i'm on twitter at chris raybon that's c-h-r-i-s-r-a-y-b-o-n and be sure to follow tj as well at tj hernandez that's at tj h-e-r-n-a-n-d-e-z thank you for sticking with us for another episode of dfs mvp tj any last words uh, let's run to this money. Let's get this money. Into the wizard, my arms stay breezy. The dawn stay fizzy. Got a day that eight, I'm in the 740 fizzy. And I just bought a bike so I can ride till I die with a matching jacket. About to cop me a mansion. My squad in the club, but you know they not dancing. We gangsta and gangsters don't dance with boogie. So never mind how we got here with the hoodies. Listen, we don't pay admission and the bouncers don't check us. And we walk around the metal detectors. And it really ain't a need for.